Section fifty six of Essays, Book One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Giessen. Essays, Book One by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of Prayers i propose formless and undetermined fancies like those who publish doubtful questions to be after disputed upon in the schools not to establish truth but to seek it and i submit them to the judgments of those whose office it is to regulate not my writings and actions only but moreover my very thoughts let what i here set down meet with correction or applause it shall be of equal welcome and utility to me myself beforehand condemning as absurd and impious if anything shall be found through ignorance or inadvertency couched in this rhapsody contrary to the holy resolutions and prescriptions of the catholic apostolic and roman church into which i was born and in which i will die and yet always submitting to the authority of their censure which has an absolute power over me i thus rashly venture at everything as in treating upon this present subject i know not if or no i am wrong but since by a particular favour of the divine bounty a certain form of prayer has been prescribed and dictated to us word by word from the mouth of god himself i have ever been of opinion that we ought to have it in more frequent use than we yet have and if i were worthy to advise at the sitting down to and rising from our tables at our rising from and going to bed and in every particular action wherein prayer is used i would that christians always make use of the lord's prayer if not alone yet at least always the church may lengthen and diversify prayers according to the necessity of our instruction for i know very well that it is always the same in substance and the same thing but yet such a privilege ought to be given to that prayer that the people should have it continually in their mouths for it is most certain that all necessary petitions are comprehended in it and that it is infinitely proper for all occasions is the only prayer i use in all places and conditions and which i still repeat instead of changing whence it also happens that i have no other so entirely by heart as that it just now came into my mind whence it is we should derive that error of having recourse to god in all our designs and enterprises to call him to our assistance in all sorts of affairs and in all places where our weakness stands in need of support without considering whether the occasion be just or otherwise 
and to invoke his name and power in what state soever we are or action we are engaged in howsoever vicious he is indeed our sole and unique protector and can do all things for us but though he is pleased to honour us with this sweet paternal alliance he is notwithstanding as just as he is good and mighty and more often exercises his justice than his power and favours us according to that and not according to our petitions plato in his laws makes three sorts of belief injurious to the gods that there are none that they concern not themselves about our affairs that they never refuse anything to our vows offerings and sacrifices the first of these errors according to his opinion never continued rooted in any man from his infancy to his old age the other two he confesses men might be obstinate in god's justice and his power are inseparable tis in vain we evoke his power in an unjust cause we are to have our souls pure and clean at that moment at least wherein we pray to him and purified from all vicious passions otherwise we ourselves present him the rods wherewith to chastise us instead of repairing anything we have done amiss we double the wickedness and the offence when we offer to him to whom we are to sue for pardon an affection full of irreverence and hatred which makes me not very apt to applaud those whom i observe to be so frequent on their knees if the actions nearest to the prayer do not give me some evidence of amendment and reformation si nocturnus adulter tempora santonico velas ad operta cuculo if a night adulterer thou coverest thy head with a santonic cowl juvenal satire eight one hundred and forty four editor's note the santones were the people who inhabited saintonge in france from whom the romans derived the use of hoods or cowls covering the head and face and the practice of a man who mixes devotion with an execrable life seems in some sort more to be condemned than that of a man conformable to his own propension and dissolute throughout and for that reason it is that our church denies admittance to and communion with men obstinate and incorrigible in any notorious wickedness we pray only by custom and for fashion's sake or rather we read or pronounce our prayers aloud which is no better than an hypocritical show of devotion and i am scandalized to see a man cross himself thrice at the benedicity and as often at grace and the more because it is a sign i have in great veneration and continual use even when i yawn and to dedicate all the other hours of the day to acts of malice avarice and injustice 
one hour to god the rest to the devil as if by composition and compensation tis a wonder to see actions so various in themselves succeed one another with such an uniformity of method as not to interfere nor suffer any alteration even upon the very confines and passes from the one to the other what a prodigious conscience must that be that can be at quiet within itself whilst it harbours under the same roof with so agreeing and so calm a society both the crime and the judge a man whose whole meditation is continually working upon nothing but impurity which he knows to be so odious to almighty god what can he say when he comes to speak to him he draws back but immediately falls into a relapse if the object of divine justice and the presence of his maker did as he pretends strike and chastise his soul how short soever the repentance might be the very fear of offending the infinite majesty would so often present itself to his imagination that he would soon see himself master of those vices that are most natural and vehement in him but what shall we say of those who settle their whole course of life upon the profit and emolument of sins which they know to be mortal how many trades and vocations have we admitted and countenanced amongst us whose very essence is vicious and he that confessing himself to me voluntarily told me that he had all his lifetime professed and practised a religion in his opinion damnable and contrary to that he had in his heart only to preserve his credit and the honour of his employments how could his courage suffer so infamous a confession what can men say to the divine justice upon this subject their repentance consisting in a visible and manifest reparation they lose the colour of alleging it both to god and man are they so impudent as to sue for remission without satisfaction and without penitence i look upon these as in the same condition with the first but the obstinacy is not there so easy to be overcome this contrariety and volubility of opinion so sudden so violent that they feign are a kind of miracle to me they present us with the state of an indigestible agony of mind it seemed to me a fantastic imagination in those who these late years past were wont to reproach every man they knew to be of any extraordinary parts and made profession of the catholic religion that it was but outwardly maintaining moreover to do him honour forsooth that whatever he might pretend to the contrary he could not but in his heart be of their reformed opinion an untoward disease that a man should be so riveted to his own belief as to fancy that others cannot believe otherwise than as he does and yet worse 
that they should entertain so vicious an opinion of such great parts as to think any man so qualified should prefer any present advantage of fortune to the promises of eternal life and the menaces of eternal damnation they may believe me could anything have tempted my youth the ambition of the danger and difficulties in the late commotions had not been the least motives it is not without very good reason in my opinion that the church interdicts the promiscuous indiscreet and irreverent use of the holy and divine psalms with which the holy ghost inspired king david we ought not to mix god in our actions but with the highest reverence and caution that poesy is too holy to be put to no other use than to exercise the lungs and to delight our ears it ought to come from the conscience and not from the tongue it is not fit that a prentice in his shop amongst his vain and frivolous thoughts should be permitted to pass away his time and divert himself with such sacred things neither is it decent to see the holy book of the holy mysteries of our belief tumbled up and down a hall or a kitchen they were formerly mysteries but are now become sports and recreations it is a book too serious and too venerable to be cursorily or slightly turned over the reading of the scripture ought to be a temperate and premeditated act and to which men should always add this devout preface sursum corda preparing even the body to so humble and composed a gesture and countenance as shall evidence a particular veneration and attention neither is it a book for every one to fist but the study of select men set apart for that purpose and whom almighty god has been pleased to call to that office and sacred function the wicked and ignorant grow worse by it tis not a story to tell but a history to revere fear and adore are not they then pleasant men who think they have rendered this fit for the people's handling by translating it into the vulgar tongue does the understanding of all therein contained only stick at words shall i venture to say further that by coming so near to understand a little they are much wider of the whole scope than before a pure and simple ignorance and wholly depending upon the exposition of qualified persons was far more learned and salutary than this vain and verbal knowledge which has only temerity and presumption and i do further believe that the liberty every one has taken to disperse the sacred writ into so many idioms carries with it a great deal more of danger than utility the jews mohammedans and almost all other peoples have reverentially espoused the language wherein their mysteries were first conceived 
and have expressly and not without colour of reason forbidden the alteration of them into any other are we assured that in biscay and in brittany there are enough competent judges of this affair to establish this translation into their own language the universal church has not a more difficult and solemn judgment to make in preaching and speaking the interpretation is vague free mutable and of a piece by itself so it is not the same thing one of our greek historians justly censures the age he lived in because the secrets of the christian religion were dispersed into the hands of every mechanic to expound and argue upon according to his own fancy and that we ought to be much ashamed we who by god's especial favour enjoy the pure mysteries of piety to suffer them to be profaned by the ignorant rabble considering that the gentiles expressly forbade socrates plato and the other sages to inquire into or so much as mention the things committed to the priests of delphi and he says moreover that the factions of princes upon theological subjects are armed not with zeal but with fury that zeal springs from the divine wisdom and justice and governs itself with prudence and moderation but degenerates into hatred and envy producing tares and nettles instead of corn and wine when conducted by human passions and it was truly said by another who advising the emperor theodosius told him that disputes did not so much rock the schisms of the church asleep as it roused and animated heresies that therefore all contentions and dialectic disputations were to be avoided and men absolutely to acquiesce in the prescriptions and formulas of faith established by the ancients and the emperor andronicus having overheard some great men at high words in his palace with lapodius about a point of ours of great importance gave them so severe a check as to threaten to cause them to be thrown into the river if they did not desist the very women and children nowadays take upon them to lecture the oldest and most experienced men about the ecclesiastical laws whereas the first of those of plato forbids them to inquire so much as into the civil laws which were to stand instead of divine ordinances and allowing the old men to confer amongst themselves or with the magistrate about those things he adds provided it be not in the presence of young or profane persons a bishop has left in writing that at the other end of the world there is an isle by the ancients called dioscorides abundantly fertile in all sorts of trees and fruits and of an exceedingly healthful air the inhabitants of which are christians having churches and altars only adorned with crosses without any other images great observers of fasts and feasts 
exact payers of their tithes to the priests and so chaste that none of them is permitted to have to do with more than one woman in his life editor's note what osorius says is that these people only had one wife at a time as to the rest so content with their condition that environed with the sea they know nothing of navigation and so simple that they understand not one syllable of the religion they profess and wherein they are so devout a thing incredible to such as do not know that the pagans who are so zealous idolaters know nothing more of their gods than their bare names and their statues the ancient beginning of menalippus a tragedy of euripides ran thus o jupiter for that name alone of what thou art to me is known i have also known in my time some men's writings found fault with for being purely human and philosophical without any mixture of theology and yet with some show of reason it might on the contrary be said that the divine doctrine as queen and regent of the rest better keeps her state apart that she ought to be sovereign throughout not subsidiary and suffragan and that peradventure grammatical rhetorical logical examples may elsewhere be more suitably chosen as also the material for the stage games and public entertainments than from so sacred a matter that divine reasons are considered with greater veneration and attention by themselves and in their own proper style than when mixed with and adapted to human discourse that it is a fault much more often observed that the divines write too humanly than that the humanists write not theologically enough philosophy says saint chrysostom has long been banished the holy schools as an handmaid altogether useless and thought unworthy to look so much as in passing by the door into the sanctuary of the holy treasures of the celestial doctrine that the human way of speaking is of a much lower form and ought not to adopt for herself the dignity and majesty of divine eloquence let who will verbis indisciplinatis talk of fortune destiny accident good and evil hap and other such like phrases according to his own humour i for my part propose fancies merely human and merely my own and that simply as human fancies and separately considered not as determined by any decree from heaven incapable of doubt or dispute matter of opinion not matter of faith things which i discourse of according to my own notions not as i believe according to god after a laical not clerical and yet always after a very religious manner as children prepare their exercises not to instruct but to be instructed 
and might it not be said that an edict enjoining all people but such as are public professors of divinity to be very reserved in writing of religion would carry with it a very good colour of utility and justice and to me amongst the rest peradventure to hold my prating i have been told that even those who are not of our church nevertheless amongst themselves expressly forbid the name of god to be used in common discourse nor so much even by way of interjection exclamation assertion of a truth or comparison and i think them in the right upon what occasion soever we call upon god to accompany and assist us it ought always to be done with the greatest reverence and devotion there is as i remember a passage in xenophon where he tells us that we ought so much the more seldom to call upon god by how much it is hard to compose our soul to such a degree of calmness patience and devotion as it ought to be in at such a time otherwise our prayers are not only vain and fruitless but vicious forgive us we say our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us what do we mean by this petition but that we present to god a soul free from all rancour and revenge and yet we make nothing of invoking god's assistance in our vices and inviting him into our unjust designs quae nisi seductis nequeas committere divis which you can only impart to the gods when you have gained them over perseus two four the covetous man prays for the conservation of his vain and superfluous riches the ambitious for victory and the good conduct of his fortune the thief calls him to his assistance to deliver him from the dangers and difficulties that obstruct his wicked designs or returns him thanks for the facility he has met with in cutting a man's throat at the door of the house men are going to storm or break into by force of a petard they fall to prayers for success their intentions and hopes of cruelty avarice and lust hoc igitur quotu jovis aurem pellere tentas dic agidum staio pro jupiter o bone clamet jupiter at sese non clamet jupiter ipse this therefore with which you seek to draw the ear of jupiter say to stius o jupiter o good jupiter let him cry think you jupiter himself would not cry out upon it perseus two twenty one marguerite queen of navarre in the heptameron tells of a young prince who though she does not name him is easily enough by his great qualities to be known who going upon an amorous assignation to lie with an advocate's wife of paris his way thither being through a church he never passed that holy place 
going to or returning from his pious exercise but he always kneeled down to pray wherein he would employ the divine favour his soul being full of such virtuous meditations i leave others to judge which nevertheless she instances for a testimony of singular devotion but this is not the only proof we have that women are not very fit to treat of theological affairs a true prayer and religious reconciling of ourselves to almighty god cannot enter into an impure soul subject at the very time to the dominion of satan he who calls god to his assistance whilst in a course of vice does as if a cut-purse should call a magistrate to help him or like those who introduce the name of god to the attestation of a lie tacito mala vota susurro concipimus we whisper our guilty prayers lucan five one hundred and four there are few men who durst publish to the world the prayers they make to almighty god haud cuivis prompto est murmurque humilesque susurros tolere de templis et aperto vivere voto tis not convenient for every one to bring the prayers he mutters out of the temple and to give his wishes to the public ear perseus two six and this is the reason why the pythagoreans would have them always public and heard by every one to the end they might not prefer indecent or unjust petitions as this man clare cum dixit apollo labra movet metuens audiri pulcra laverna da mihi valere da justum sanctum quevideri noctem peccatis et fraudibus obique nubem when he has clearly said apollo he moves his lips fearful to be heard he murmurs o fair laverna grant me the talent to deceive grant me to appear holy and just shroud my sins with night and cast a cloud over my frauds horace epodes one sixteen fifty nine editor's note laverna was the goddess of thieves the gods severely punished the wicked prayers of oedipus in granting them he had prayed that his children might amongst themselves determine the succession to his throne by arms and was so miserable as to see himself taken at his word we are not to pray that all things may go as we would have them but as most concurrent with prudence we seem in truth to make use of our prayers as of a kind of jargon and as those do who employ holy words about sorceries and magical operations and as if we reckoned the benefit we are to reap from them as depending upon the contexture sound and jingle of words or upon the grave composing of the countenance for having the soul contaminated with concupiscence not touched with repentance or comforted by any late reconciliation with god 
we go to present him such words as the memory suggests to the tongue and hope from thence to obtain the remission of our sins there is nothing so easy so sweet and so favourable as the divine law it calls and invites us to her guilty and abominable as we are extends her arms and receives us into her bosom foul and polluted as we at present are and are for the future to be but then in return we are to look upon her with a respectful eye we are to receive this pardon with all gratitude and submission and for that instant at least when we address ourselves to her to have the soul sensible of the ills we have committed and at enmity with those passions that seduced us to offend her neither the gods nor good men says plato will accept the present of a wicked man in munis aram sitetigit manus non sumptuosa blandior hostia molivit aversos penates farre pio et saliente mica if a pure hand has touched the altar the pious offering of a small cake and a few grains of salt will appease the offended gods more effectually than costly sacrifices horace odes book three twenty three seventeen end of section fifty six